Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at So as you guys are taking a seat, um, it is my pleasure and honor to introduce um, our special guest that we have here this morning. It's really special for you guys as well. Uh, because you don't have to listen to me or Dwayne preach for the next 45 minutes, so you get a relief. God, you guys are, what, yeah, seriously, calm down. Um, but for those of you who don't know Phil, uh, Phil is a dear friend of ours, uh, as well as a brother in Christ. Um, he is an elder and a pastor over at Soma Church, which is a sister church of ours that helped send us out a couple of years ago, and we are honored to have him here. Um, but more importantly than him being a elder and a pastor, um, he is a brother in Christ with us. He's a faithful friend. He's a faithful husband, faithful father. I know, I know you have kids, man. <laughs> exactly. Um, faithful husband, faithful father. But more importantly, he's a faithful man of God. And for those of you who have gotten a glimpse of being able to meet him, uh, you'll see the love and the joy and the passion for Christ that exudes from him. And so I'm excited to be able to hear what he has to say from the word of God this morning because my hope and my prayer for us is that that passion and that love and that joy for the gospel of Jesus Christ would be emulated here in this city, in this place where we're at now, as well as um, wherever God has called us to be and the, the spheres of influence that God has placed around us. And so that is my hope and prayer this morning. So Phil, if you'd come up, if you guys get a chance, don't let him leave before um, saying hi. I will tell you this, he'll probably give you one handshake, but after that, you're getting a hug every single time. <laughs> he comes in for the real thing, and so um, one of Phil's hugs is, is, is a warm embrace. So if you guys would give a warm welcome to Phil Edwards. morning. Wow, man, it, it's so good to be here with you guys. Uh, you are family. I don't know you. And you don't know me. Um, but if you name Jesus, if he's your Lord and Savior, then you're my brother and sister, then, and, we are, and we are one. And I just want to give you a little information about me before I start in God's Word. I think it's important for you to know uh, the person, a little bit of behind the voice that you're going to hear, and more importantly, I pray that you hear the Holy Spirit uh, more than Phil. I'm just a messenger, really, I am. That's not being a cliche there, saying a cliche, but at any rate, uh, born and raised uh, in Atlanta, so I'm a southerner, uh, married to a uh, beautiful woman back there, Francoise, for almost 29 years, and she's from the Congo. Uh, we have two adult daughters who live here in Indianapolis in 27 and 24. Um, and they are both married uh, to Brian and Stephen, respectively. And so just also you know that I have a passion for uh, cross-cultural ministry. My family is cross-cultural in that my wife is from the Congo and our sons are white Americans and and so we are just praising God for the family that we have and it wasn't a family I thought I'd have when I was a young man starting out in my faith in the Lord when I was a teenager 
Uh, God, so fit, God saw fit so that we could be a representation of his glory. And I'm so stoked about the life that he's called me to. And I pray that you feel as excited about the life that he's called you to as well. But love God's people. Love God's people as I serve at SOMA as pastor of community development. Get an opportunity to engage with folk, engage them in the city, as well as just being totally intentional in race relationships. That is so important to me. And I've already said it twice. And, and so I remember being at an all-white church here in Indy. <clears throat> and it was about, oh gosh, eight, nine years ago. And one uh, white sister came up to me after the service. And she said, and I, I didn't preach, I was just a member of the church. And she said, I was just so moved, um, not moved, but I was really just really contemplating while the pastor was preaching. And, and she said, I'm just, I have a question for you. She said, why are you here? Are you like a, a missionary to our church being African-American? <laughs> and I've never heard anyone, you know, approach me or a, a call me a, a missionary like that, where I'm able to teach the white church what it means to be among a diverse situation. I was represented in diversity. So at any rate, I, maybe I'm a missionary to the white church. I have been a part of the white church for over 15 years. Listen, this thing is not about race, it's about Christ. But no doubt that we are who we are, and we are called into uh, a new identity as we follow him. And that's what the message is on today. And so if you have your Bibles, if you can turn to Colossians, and Dwayne's already hit on that. We didn't talk about what I was going to share. Um, the only information he gave me was simply, we, you, you guys have been on the sermon series about pushing back the darkness. And this is a, a sermon that I shared at Soma. And my wife and I are down at Soma downtown, on the near east side. But at any rate, Colossians 3 and I like to hit on um, the verses from 10 through, actually the remaining of the chapter, 10 through 17. Uh, so let's pray. Father God, we're so grateful we have this opportunity to be in your house today. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be here, even though we have uh, some challenging weather outside. Thank you for those who have uh, pursued you and put faith uh, to the actions and have come into this place on this day, on this snowy, uh, uh, slick day. And so, Lord, we pray that your spirit would meet us here. We pray that you would help us to receive from your word, Lord God, that we would be changed individuals, that we would uh, be challenged, that we would be called to action, Lord, as we follow you as your disciples. Thank you for this opportunity you've given me to share your word. I pray that you would be glorified as a result. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I talk loud, generally speaking, and, and I just have passion. And when I get excited, I elevate my voice. And, and so don't take it the wrong way. If I say something very loud and may come across offensive, it's not because I'm angry. It's because I'm just excited and passionate about God's word. Amen. All right, and I don't, by the way, I don't mind you saying amen when I say something about truth and from my experience in the African-American churches. So, you know, if you've never been there, I'm going to bring it into the house because as a missionary, my role is to teach you. <laughs> and when you're in an African-American context in the church, that is, the pastor likes to have some feedback, some response from the audience. And normally when he speaks the truth, then the reality is that you say amen. 
Okay, so that's all right. I'm not feeling like you're interrupting the service or anything like that. And I know maybe you come from a background where you want to be solemn and respectful to God, and you don't want to speak while others are speaking. But I just want to give you the freedom to simply say amen if something resonates with you. Amen? You did well. Okay. So three points. If you're one of those who like to have an outline, three points that I hope to gather and hope to get after. And that is uh, put on the new self and put on love. Okay, that's the one point, kind of combined. Put on the new self and put on love. Second point is let peace rule your heart. Let peace rule your heart. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Yeah. New identity requires new behavior. New identity requires new behavior. Behavior, And I didn't just come up with that. It's here in the Word. So if you have your Bibles, let's just read these few verses in Colossians 3, verses 10 through, we'll pick up at verse 10 through 17. And have put on the new self, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. New identity requires new behavior. We may ask this question as we come into this body. I don't know your church history. don't know if this is your first church ever. I don't know if this is, you know, you're coming from a hurt situation from a fellowship and you just want a new experience. I don't know what your experience is, but the reality is this, that we are called to live a purposeful life in Christ. In the newness of our lives, we're called to live a purposeful Christ, which requires us to have a new behavior. But truth be told, culture shapes the way we think. So I move from experience and also moving towards culture, everything that we bring into this body, into this fellowship, we bring perhaps before Christ and since we've been Christians, but a lot of what we experience in in this life is based on what we were taught, based on what we've learned from others, what we've read, what we've heard, and it shaped the way we think about people. It shapes the way we think about how we should treat people. Can I get a witness on that? Very good. So, I'm hoping this, I'm hoping that in our everyday reality of living in community with believers, and I'm talking about the church here today, 
not talking about the world, but we definitely want to push back the darkness. But I want to talk about how we are to behave within community. Our new identity should require a new or different behavior. You know, I'm hoping that the church in its new identity can be people, that's us, people living in peace with brothers and sisters and expressing kindness through our words and deeds for the glory of God. That's my hope here. And here's the deal. We, are once, we were once in darkness. This is what we were before. It's not who we are today. At least it shouldn't be who we are today. But we know that the struggle is real. And we're going to talk about that. So we, we were once in darkness, but by the grace of God, we have come out of darkness into the marvelous light of Christ. All this is because of the love of God and the gift of salvation through Christ. We are called into a new life with Christ. We have a new identity with a new behavior. God has called us to a new life with Christ that requires holy lifestyle that is consistent with our new identity. God has called us to live a holy lifestyle which is consistent to our new identity. And I'm really paying up laying a foundation for you, for us, to understand that whatever God is asking us to do, that we have to base it on our relationship with him, our relationship in him, our new identity. We have to look at it from that perspective. So what have we come from? And we're going to really get into this thing here. And of course, in, in Colossians, you could turn there, but we're going to come back to our main text. But giving us some perspective on the way we used to be, we have to talk about, remember the past, so that we don't repeat it. We have to talk about the way we used to be so that we don't remain that way. Because in our new, newness in life, our new, new life in Christ, we have to have a changed behavior. People will know that we are Christians by our love, by the love we have for each other. Yeah. So in Colossians 1, 15 through 16, it says this, He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Jesus is, and he is holding all things together. First, uh, rather, Colossians 1, 21 through 22 says this, And you who were once alienated... And hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, talking about us, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Jesus reconciled us to the Father and he presents us holy. Jesus reconciled us to the Father while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us, and he's brought us into a new relationship with God, and he's made us his people. He calls us holy, set aside to do good works that honors and glorifies him. Amen. Here's a snapshot of the way we used to be, building on this foundation. Remember in the past so we don't repeat it. Colossians 3 says this, 3, 5 through 9 says this. So here are the things that we are called to put away. As, in, as new believers in our new identity, here are things that he's called us to put away. It should not be a reflection of who we are today. Sexual immorality. You th I think you know what that is. 
single folk, married folk, married folk who are doing some things outside the relationship, single folk who are having sex relationship uh, before you marry. I just want to make sure I make it clear, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, between a man and a woman. <laughs> All right. So, and then also, uh, impure passion, evil desires, being covetous. Uh, verse 8. We also walk and live with anger and wrath in our hearts. We were malice, revengeful, uh, rather spiteful. We slander people. We make false and damaging statements about people. We had obscene language in our mouths. We use crude, lewd, vulgar, vulgar language. Verse 9, it says, we lied to each other. That's who we were. Now I know the struggle is real. I know by the grace of God that he's established a relationship between us and himself through Christ. But also know that while we're in this flesh, that we still have temptations. But it doesn't give us permission to live the way we used to live. Because the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak, does not give us permission because Jesus is our victory and he gives us a power and he gives us a strength to overcome those temptations and those struggles. Amen? I needed everyone saying amen to that because we're all broken people need God grace every single day. We call it sanctification. Y'all are feeling me on that, right? I'm talking to myself too. We are image bearers of God the Father. We are called to reflect the Father's character in love, in peace, and in encouraging others for his glory. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do what? Do everything in the name of the Lord. In everything we do, in our new identity. And I'm really hitting on to that. Because there's a response to our identity. There's a way God calls us to respond in a loving manner as we do life together in this body, in this fellowship, as Christ followers at District Church. Amen. So here's the first point. You remember the first point? Put on love. Look at verse 10. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of his creator, we have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of his creator. We know who we are because we know God, because we know Jesus. Regardless of our background, our race, our culture, our socioeconomic status. Verse 11. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcision, uncircumcised, excuse me, barbarian and Scythian, slave or free. Here's where we're going to hit on really preaching the whole gospel. Why? What is Paul talking about here? When he says there's no difference between these people that are coming from different perspectives, different backgrounds, different races, different cultures. Well, here's the problem. You see, the Greeks didn't like the Scythians. They were, the Scythians were violent, uneducated uncivilized, and altogether considered inferior. 
Now, how much of us in our old way of living, old way of thinking, the ways that we grew up with, the ways of the things we heard about while growing up in our context, used to think or feel the same way, that certain people are so different that they don't measure up, that we can't see them as us. We can't see them as our own in Christ. We are image bearers of Christ, the Imago Dei. That's who we are, and he calls us to bear witness of who he is as we do life together. Although we're different, as it were, with people in that day, and we're different today, but there's a uniqueness that we have when we name the name of Jesus, that we are brothers and sisters. You can't argue with that, right? Yeah. So he calls us to put on love, and he says, but Christ is in all. Christ is all and he is in all. Colossians 3.11 says this, Christ is all in all. Jesus, who is all in all, abides all Christians together, rather bounds all, binds all Christians together, excuse me, in equality regardless of their race, ethnicity, uh, and socioeconomic status. Did you hear me say that? That he is all. There's no other creator God like God Almighty, Jehovah God, right? And not only did he create all, but all is, is his. We're his creations, his image bearers. Boy, I'm talking loud. <laughs> it's the space. I'm not angry with you. He came up in here talking about race, and he was loud, and he seemed angry. I, I say that because of this. I have, I have a lot of friends from various ethnic backgrounds, and I've been accused because I speak so passionate about this subject, because I speak so passionate about the gospel. They said, boy, he was angry. <laughs> he was hostile. And I said, no, I wasn't. I'm just passionate about this. I'm not upset. I ain't mad at you. <laughs> All right, let me keep going. Yeah. So we are image bearers of Christ, and God is pleased with his creation. And all that we are, I just want you to see this, and sometimes it's not easy to see. I just want to be transparent with you. The things that we experience in this life as pertains to differences, and not even just talking about race, but just people are kind of quirky, we're just different. Everyone in this room, I mean, you don't agree on every point. You don't share the same experience. And some folk we job better with than others, right? But we have no right to look down on somebody because they're not like us. It's what I'm saying. Because we're all image bearers of Christ. And he uniquely created us in his image for his glory. He is in all. And he created all. So there's a common, there's a, a, a common good in all of humanity. The common good is that God is the creator and he can speak to people whether they receive him or not or hear from him or not. They are people with value. They are people that matter because God created us in his image. I know it's complicated because we don't share the same backgrounds. Nor do we share the same color. What was God making? <laughs> do we have any artists in the house? Any artists? I mean, 
It's a mosaic. It's a blended thing. I'm not an artist, so I won't go too deep in there. I'll be putting my, my foot in my mouth. But it's, just, it's, it's a blended creation that God has made. And we get an opportunity to experience his love within his beautiful blended mosaic. And we can interpret it through scripture, through Holy Spirit. Art is interpretive and it can become anything that anyone sees in their own eyes. But I'm talking about according to the word of God. What God sees is his beautiful work. His beautiful work. His beautiful people. Yes, we are. We look like our daddy, and he's proud of us. Daddy God is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy. This is who we are. This is our makeup, right? New image bears, new creation. Here's the behavior. So we... Put on, we, we, so we put then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. We put on compassionate hearts, y'all. It's the love of Christ who lives within us. And there's a requirement for us to love, to be compassionate to each other, Right? Uh, to be moved, compassionate is this, to be moved in an inward part of feel, or, or to feel compassion. Inward feeling of doing good. I believe I love you. I believe that concerns me. I believe I need to get involved because it cares. I care, rather, about the situation. That's compassion. The only God gives. Amen? Yeah. Also, he says this, put on kindness. The Spirit of God produces a desire for us to extend kindness to other people. So be compassionate and then be kind. What does that look like? It's simple. It could be, maybe hard for other people. Speaking to people, hello. Yeah, smiling. That, that person is so kind. Would people say this of District Church? Whenever I've gone to District Church, the people smile at you. The people speak to you. The people greet you. The people seem to have a genuine love for me. That body, those Christians are special. It's not what I see in the world. Well, they say that of you, district. But being also being humble. Put on humility to have a modest opinion about yourselves. And we can be so stuck on us. It can, always be a, it can always be about us. But humility says that it's not about me. I know that I'm as filthy rags. My goodness, my righteousness is as filthy rags before God. And so I know I'm messed up. And let me just tell you how messed up I am. We look so good on the, out, and on the external. Yeah, we do. We dress it all up, right? But deep down inside, we can be so conceited. Oh, you know. The way we care, well, he calls us to be humble. To take a lower state, right? Okay. Now, I know I'm married. Some of you are too. And when we have those encounters with our spouses, sometimes humility is the last thing we're thinking about. Amen? I don't need to go any further than that. I think you already know. And if you got roommates, 
It's hard to be humble in that context. When they continue to do the same old thing that you say they wouldn't do, they say they shouldn't do, and they won't do it again. I won't go any deeper into that. <laughs> I don't know y'all like that. No one's been telling me anything about your business. Okay. Patience. Patience. It's a part of our new identity in Christ. How do we behave? People who are patient with others. Have you got kids? They don't do everything you expect them to do every time. And if you have parents, we don't do everything they expect us to do every time. But he calls us to be patient with each other. Long-suffering, even in those struggling times that we experience. Those things that we can't seem to get over. Say, be patient with me. Honey, I'm trying. Baby, hang in there with me. Be patient with each other. Persevere with each other. These are all Christian virtues. That's what I've just listed. How we are to behave within the body. Therefore, we are bound. <laughs> and the truth be told, we are bound <laughs> to offend each other with our words. We, it's going to happen. This is who we are as Christ's image bearers. This is how we're supposed to behave but truth be told, because we're broken people, we will offend each other. Now, I'm going to get somewhere. I'm going to move on. I'm going to give you an illustration. As I shared with you earlier, that I have, for over two decades, have been, close to two decades, have been in a context where I've been a minority. Within the church. And, and you wouldn't have thought I would even travel down this path that God would have me on this journey because of my upbringing. I grew up in the South. Maybe I need to tell, tell you more about that, but not right now. But I grew up in a context where race was an issue every day, right? And I know race is an issue in our nation. Race is an issue in our world. I don't have an agenda today of just talking about race. I just want to preach the whole gospel. People are trying to make distinctions between Greek, Hebrews, and Scythians, slaves and free, right? I'll just say I want to make a point about the gospel, and I want, to make, I want to give you a victorious story. I want to give you a successful story is what I'm getting after. But it started kind of hard. It started kind of hard within the church. We offend each other in the body. We need to be ready for that. We will if you haven't experienced that yet. You're going to offend each other. You won't agree. And you could be of the same ethnic background, and you're still going to offend each other. And if you're not from the same ethnic background or culture, then the fact of the matter is you bring in your different perspectives and your presuppositions, and you're going you're to have problems. But we get through that. So here's what happened. Okay. So I remember um, being in a context where a comment was made on staff of a ministry, and I was uh, one of the minorities. There's another one, but I was the, the only African-American. And, and in a group context, we're meeting in, in a space, and there weren't enough room for the people that we had in that space, and so I volunteered to sit on the floor. And I just figured, that's cool, just sit on the floor and, uh, and just make space for the sisters. After all, as the image bearer of Christ and having a, good, a new behavior, so it's good to be kind, to be considerate, right, to be humble. Just doing the thing, doing the right thing, not for show, because I'm not trying to put on airs about being, oh, I did this, right? False humility. That's not what I was doing. So I sat on the floor, and then a comment was made. 
a few comments, worse, the first comments were, oh, Phil is being so kind. Oh, he's being so sensitive. That's what Christians do. Amen. Then we just frame, then we just frame that up a little bit for you. That's what we do. That's how we behave. We should be kind. We should be considerate. But then another comment came about, and the comment was, oh, he's sitting on the floor because he's black. You know, we offend each other. I don't know why we do what we do and say what we say. I don't know why our words are not filtered. We just speak and just say what we think. I'm from Atlanta. I got up. I walked over to him. And I got in his face. (laughs) And I drew back. And I know I didn't. (laughs) But I spoke. I said, that isn't cool. I'll let you say that, what that means. What that means is it's kind of slang a little bit. I'll let you say that means that I could really do something to you. <laughs> the old Phil could do something to you. And my peeps would be totally, would, would totally say you're justified. The old Phil, the old person, but the new Phil, Christ follower. The, the Amagadei Phil, image bearer of Christ with a, a Christian behavior, simply said, I'll let you say that. But that isn't cool. A soft answer turns away wrath. It's the Spirit of God who was in control of me at that moment. It was by grace that I didn't respond in my old nature. Okay? I share that with you because it is the harsh reality of the fact that we're going to offend people within the body. Okay? But what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Well, we put on love. We put on love. Because the love binds us together. It's the love of Christ that we put on. And it's the love of Christ that binds us together. And it helps us stay in harmony or pursue harmony, if you will. Here's a quote by Dr. Martin Luther King. Tomorrow's his birthday. And I'm not saying this quote because tomorrow's his birthday. I'm saying it because I like the quote. Okay. I'm just being real with you, brothers and sisters. He says this. It was a quote from him. Um, It was a role. It was he addressed the church. He says, the role of the church in facing the nation's chief moral dilemma. This is in 1957, 62 years ago. But the end is reconciliation. The end is redemption. The end is the creation of the beloved community. It is this type of spirit and type of love that can transform opposers into friends. The type of love that I stress here is not eros, a sort of aesthetics or romantic love, not philia, a sort of reciprocal love between personal friends, but it is agape, which is understanding goodwill for all men. It is overflowing love, which seeks nothing in return. It is the love of God working in the lives of men. This is the love that may well be the salvation of our civilization. It's the love 
of God that allows us to approach even our enemies in humility because by the same grace we receive from God to become Christ's followers, he calls us to extend that grace to others. That is the power of salvation. And that is the gift that God has given the world. And that's how we get through the stuff and the junk that we go through every single day. And that's how we solve our racial issues in the church. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. The world needs to see the church living out the gospel through the way we treat each other. And they will know that we are Christians by our love. By our love, they will know that we are Christians. It's an opportunity to express love to my brother. We are called to live out this love through the lens of our identity live out this calling through the lens of our identity. What would we do? What would you do in that situation if the shoe was turned? How would you respond? Here's the second point. It's right there in verse 15. Pursue peace. Pursue peace. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts to which indeed you were called to one body. We are called to be at peace with each other in the body. That's the calling. We can go ahead and draw lines and say that I will not cross this line because of the experiences that I've had in the past. But God has erased the line and he's replaced it with the cross. It's the cross of Christ that unifies that calls us to love each other and to pursue peace. Now, I'm going to finish that story because I said it was a Victoria story. There was at least one person to speak up and say that was wrong. That wasn't just me saying that ain't cool. I'll let you say that. There was at least one person, or a couple of people actually said that's not right. And whenever we're in a situation where we see a social injustice, we have to speak up. My brothers and sisters, I will speak up for you when the doors are closed because that's what the gospel tells me. And that's what it means to be a loving Christian, a Christ follower. And I pray that you will speak up for me when the doors are closed as it pertains to the gospel and saying that that is wrong. And that's what happened. So I went to the brother because God calls us to put on peace. We're called to pursue each other. Went to him and said, Aside. Now, I had to address, I have to make sure I explain this to you. I had to address him publicly because he's made that comment publicly. It required a public response in the moment. And it was, praise God, it was the right response. It could have been worse, right? So, aside from that, in following scripture, when there is a, when you have a problem with your brother or sister, you go to them one on one. So, I want to follow that principle. As Christ followers, we have a foundation, we have the way that God wants us to deal with conflict. And so I went to him and I said, brother, I, I believe I know your heart. But what you said really wasn't cool, and, and that, that hurt me. And he said, I didn't mean to. And I had to know a little bit about the brother to know that maybe he didn't always filter his words. He's just speaking it out. It was ignorance for sure. And only did I share with him that I, it was a problem for me going one-on-one -on -one with him. And I said, you know, maybe it would be good for you to send an email out to the rest of the team, the others, others who heard it. 
just in case you offended them, like go ahead and just, you know, kindness, humility, right? It would be very beneficial if you just let them know that, hey, if I offended you, talk to me or I'm sorry because I didn't mean it that way. He needed to do that, and he did. Praise God. That's how we make progress as we enter into issues with each other within the body, regardless of the race, regardless of the situation. But we have to put on love. We have to be humility. Humble, excuse me, not humiliated. We have to be humble, no, but sometimes, praise God for allowing me to say that, Ben. Sometimes the hurt is so hard that it humiliates us. It shames us. And we can't seem to get away from it. I don't know if you've ever experienced shame within the body or even within your family, your biological family. And if you are believers and you've been a part of ones who shame people, then God calls us to respond in love and we should ask for forgiveness as this brother did. Amen? Now I'll keep going. Yeah. Romans 14, 9 says this, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. It's hard work, but it's worth it because God calls us to Pursue in these manners. He calls us to pursue this way when we have these types of challenges. We don't write people off. We don't simply say that's just the way they are. We don't say, I'm going to not have anything to do with you, and I'm going to go in my side of the room and my side of the people and say, look how bad they are. You see what I mean? Here's my justification. And the only reason why I'm sharing this with you as a victory story is because I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be edified, build up. I also want us to take this behavior and we go and do something with it. The world needs us to be one. We have to stand up for righteousness sake. We have to stand up for justice because Jesus calls us to. If we are new believers or new in our new identity, we can't say, no, Lord, I won't do this, but I'll do that. No, if we totally surrender our hearts to him and out of obedience to his will and to his word, then we ought to call out wrong when it's wrong. I believe that God can do that through his people. As long as we pursue his Holy Spirit. And as long as his Holy Spirit is working in us, and I know his Holy Spirit is working, and if we yield ourselves to his calling, and his heating, then we're able to experience victory in relationships. Amen? I believe you're tracking with me. Romans 12, I'm going to be done at this point in a minute, y'all. Romans 12, verses 17, 18, 21. Let's say this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We have to forgive. Dwayne, thank you for your story. And the story... I pray we'll continue. I pray that God will use your experience as he used it this morning to explain, give a, an illustration of what it means to forgive. And not because it happened on the outside and perhaps this person is not a believer, but Christians need to know what it means and what it looks like to forgive within family. 
husbands and wives, parents and children, friends, roommates, your neighbor. God calls us to forgive each other. We don't have a say. If we're Christ followers, image bearers of him, and our behavior should follow our commitment to who he is in our lives as Savior. And our behavior should be as such where we would do the right thing, that we would forgive when people hurt us, as I forgave that brother. Here's what Oswald Chambers says about forgiveness. We talk glibly about forgiving when we have never been injured. When we are injured, we know that it is not possible apart from God's grace for one human being to forgive another. It is not possible apart from God's grace for one human being to forgive another. We don't do it in our own strength. It's not easy to do. You did this to me. You shamed me. You embarrassed me. You assaulted me. And I'm expected to forgive you? You raped my wife. You murdered my daddy. You cheated on me. And I'm expected to forgive you? By grace of God. By the grace of God, you can. By the grace of God, we can. If we left, if it's left for us to do it, it may not happen. We become just like the offender. But if we put on love within our new identity and we pursue peace, we put on peace, and we're able to forgive those who offend us. Okay. The third point, the final point. <laughs> Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns with thankfulness to God. Colossians 4, 6 says this, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. As Christ's disciples, we are encouraged to influence the world with positive thoughts and aspirations, with positive influences, with positive encouragement. I think I just repeated myself a few times. We are called to speak the truth in love. Matthew 18, 15 says this, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. If we're not reading the word and we get caught up in the emotions, Dwayne isn't reading the word as pastor, one of the pastors at the district, and this situation happens to him, he could do some crazy stuff. He would not be representing Christ. But it's the word of God who re that reminds us how we are to behave, how we are to respond to situations that we encounter. 
every single day we should pursue the Word of God and allow it to richly dwell within our hearts. The Word of God is our lifeline. The Word of God is a reminder that this is what Jesus said, and we stand on the promises. We hope in the promises. We sang that earlier. We hope in the promises. If you don't read the Word, then you don't know what the promises are. Then you don't know what to hope in. Our lifeline. Oh, gosh, let me close this out. In all of the years of pursuing Christ within the church, especially in the area of racial reconciliation, if I'm not reminded of the picture that people from every tribe and nation <laughs> coming before the throne, the holy, righteous God, if I'm not seeing that picture, if I'm not seeing Jews and Gentiles coming together because Jesus saved them, if I'm not seeing that taught on a regular basis, the whole gospel, then I'm not believing it. I'm not believing it. I'm going to simply say, I'll just wait until I get on the other side of glory. And then I'll experience that oneness. And then we'll be able to worship God through and through without having to look at other people in a different light. People, we don't have a choice. We don't wait until we're on the other side of glory. We practice that here and now. Indianapolis, Indiana, 2019, the district. The church. <laughs> you know, we need to study the word. We need to allow the word to dwell in us richly. And what does it mean to teach? What does it mean to teach? It means this. When, when we teach the word to each other, when we share the word, it means to warn, to counsel, to exhort. It could even mean to chastise. So as we're doing life together, when your preachers are up sharing with you and preaching the whole gospel, it doesn't always feel good because the flesh doesn't want to be exposed. We just want it all sound good. And I pray, as loud as I am, I pray that some of us are challenged today. I pray that something I've said has kind of rubbed you a little bit the wrong way, a little bit. Because you haven't heard it before, and it's like, I don't know what to do with this. Because as preachers, as teachers of the gospel, we have to teach what the word of God says, and we have to stand on it. Whether we agree with it or not, we have to preach the truth. And it has to admonish us. We have to use it for counseling us as well as chastising us. Hey, that is wrong. And I think you would want that. I pray that you're not the type who will say, tell me the stuff I want to know, and not the stuff I don't want to hear. That's not maturity. Yeah. So what does it mean to admonish? It means to, to warn, to counsel, exhort. Uh, I just said that. I know I'm closing out now. <laughs> when you start repeating yourself, it's, it's time to sit down. <laughs> Three applications. I think I filled the time with as much as I have to offer today. I look at the clock, I was like, oh my gosh. It's time. Three applications. I already kind of hit on them. Just a reminder, y'all. And they're in the text. Hmm. Verses 10 as well. Put on the new self. 
as a reminder every day, I'm going to put on a new self. If you need that visual, new self. New self. In, when you are conflicted, when you are challenged, when you have an issue with your brother and sister, new self. And then I want you to also do this, new self, love. Put on love. Maybe you do it in your mind. I don't care. Whatever works for you. But put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of creator. And then also here's this. Let the peace of Christ rule your heart. Let peace rule. Peace of God. Pursue peace. Forgive your brothers and sisters. Pursue peace within your marriage relationship. Pursue peace in the workplace, in the neighborhood. Pursue peace. Pursue peace. You can walk away. You can give up. But God says, no, as Christ followers. As the Imago Dei, image bearers of Christ, this is your new behavior. Amen? Application, apply it, right? And then, of course, read the word daily. Let the word of God really dwell in your heart. That's where we get our wisdom from, okay? That's where we get acknowledgement from. That's where we learn more about who we are, how messed up we are, how much we need Christ. We need to be smart. Of course, pray. And then here's the deal, the last one, <laughs> verse 14. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. District, you heard the word today. And my prayer is that the Spirit of God would move on us in such a way that we would be a reflection of the beautiful splendor of God. That we would be a reflection of the church that God created so that we can reach those inside and out for his glory. I love you guys. Let's pray. Father God, we're so grateful to you for all that you are, that you are our God, our creator, that you are a lover, the lover of our souls. Father, we admit that we need to be reminded of what it means to put on love, what it means to live out of our new identity in you. Lord, we need to be reminded that we are called to pursue peace in the midst of storms, in the midst of turbulent relationships, in the midst of brokenness. Lord God, we pray that you would help us to be peace pursuers, that we would be agents of change. Lord, give us the strength. May your will be done in our lives. May you receive the victory throughout all our stories. Thank you for the scripture you've given us, and may we obey you and all that you call us to do within this body, within the family, within the world. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at